This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host Mike Parkin and joining me this week are Richard Halls. Hello everybody. And Will Bentley. This week we'll be looking at the new supernatural thriller called Apparition. Our short shot is No Plan No Gain and we'll be rounding off with our DTV throwback Firestorm. Let's crack on! Our first feature then is Apparition. In this one, a young woman called Skylar is about to marry Derek, the son of the last warden of the Preston Reform School for Industry, a notorious facility which closed after a mysterious killing spree. On the eve of the wedding, Derek's younger brother, Sam, presents a, fo- presents a phone app that he has developed that allows you to connect to the dead. When Skylar agrees to test the app, it takes her and her friends to the, the now-abandoned Preston School, where deadly secrets are waiting to be discovered. Now, this is um, an interestingly structured film um, in that it spends a lot of time in the past dealing with um, this young kid who is basically, he's not exactly framed for murder, but he's found guilty of a murder he didn't commit. You know, his circumstances um, t- presented themselves so that he end- ends up getting sent down to this reform school, which is run by Kevin Polak. Um, Pollock. Pollock? Kevin Pollock? Yeah, Pollock, isn't it? <laughs> is <laughs> it? Okay. No, I've never heard his name pronounced that way before. You see, I, I is there one L or two? Hmm? Is there one L or two? One. I L? Two? Is it two? two? If it's two, it's definitely Pollock. Like the fish. I always thought it was Pollock. See, I have this problem with a lot of um, names of actors and directors in that I only see them written down and never actually hear them pronounced. So I'm sort of kind of left to my own devices a lot of the time. And most of the time I'm wrong. <laughs> Don't get me started on Shersha Orion's name, but there you go. Please look up some of the old episodes of The Smoking Lab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For more about that. For more, for more faux pas by me. Anyway, Steve, Kevin Pollack is the governor of this particular reform school back in the past. Uh, he rules the place with an iron fist. We see a lot of the... Um, you know, the, the things that these kids have to go through, and it sort of all comes to a head when one of them tries to escape. Then we sort of jump forward to the eve of the wedding, um, where tensions are pretty rife, basically, between father and son and other people. Um, and we, we meet Sam, the, um, sort of the younger brother, who um, is autistic, and he's developed this, um, this app which allows you to sort of connect to somebody who's deceased that, that you have a connection with. Um, and they were able to sort of get in contact. They sort of do a test run with uh, one of uh, Skylar's friends, and it's a very sort of benign experience to go to her old house where her gran um, used to make um, dresses, and they find an an old pendant that she's kind of left for her. So they think, oh, this is really, really cool. You know, it's a really nice, positive experience with a supernatural. Let's do it again. And the next one takes Skylar to the... um, the old asylum, uh, the, sort of the, the reform school, um, where things aren't quite so benign. Uh, the, the trouble is, by the time we get to that point, we're already two-thirds into the film, and it doesn't leave a lot of space for things to happen. So, so everything happens in a rush over, over the sort of the last sort of 30 minutes or so of the film. 
it's not a bad film at all. It's just weirdly structured, I, th- I found. What do you think, Rich? My problems, I think, are slightly different to yours. I did. I really like that opening section mm-hmm. on the, in the reform school where the uh, the, the abuse is awful. Uh, mm. uh, you know, a boy gets his finger cut off. And, and oh stuff. yeah, just just for dis- you know, just for going. Oh, this Talking place is bullshit or something. Yeah. And then they chop his fucking finger off. So it's, yeah, it's right. they're pretty merciless. Um, the Kevin Pollock well, so character the, um, is even quite murdered. The, the sort of flea bath they do is it's basically a swimming pool f- filled with acid. Yeah, that, I you know, wasn't sure if that was really acid or whether they were just saying it was. Yeah, but. I have a feeling, it's considering how abusive they were, quite possibly a full, full, full of extremely caustic car- um, chemicals, yeah. at the very least. And they sort of make a point of saying, yeah, don't spend too long in there, otherwise your skin's going to start melting. But, um, nice. Yeah, so, so got it, all that. It's, this was one of those films that it says that it's inspired by actual events, mm. so the school The school is real. Is a real yeah, thing. It's a real school. And I don't think it had so many murders, but mm, there you go. No, but they've used that as kind of the springboard. In, in, a, in the way, it reminded me of Stay Alive, the, mm. the film which... Um, was sort of like a video game sort of virtual reality thing, but touched on the yeah. legend of Elizabeth uh, Bathory, I think it yeah. was, uh, the Countess of Blood. And so this one, it starts off fine, and then the credits come on, and it's an apparition, you know, ghost, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, and it highlighted, and it went zzz, app, on the app, yeah. and I was like, oh, no, oh, no, it's going there. And then, <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and, the, and it's that montage of, Newspaper clippings and stuff, and it's like technology's dangerous, dark web, and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, okay, because it does use it uses like uh, let's say, well, how does the app work? And he goes, oh, the dark web. Yeah, (laughs) no, but this is my problem with the film is that the app plot device Mm. is largely redundant uh, because it's not really explored. It's kind of a they don't need it. It's basically once they a get, Ouija board. Once, it's, it's once, a they get there, once they get to the school itself, yeah, they, you're right, they, they, they don't really need it. I did quite like it as an app. I thought it was, it was very simply done. Yeah. And, you know, every now and again it will go bing bong, yeah. you know, and, and you'll... You've made the connection. Yeah, you've made a connection. So, you know, like I, I, I kind of like that. Um, especially when it was used in the the epilogue as well, which yeah. is sort of very Carrie-like at the end. It was sort of Tinder for mediums, is that... Kind of. The, the idea is is that it sends out a message to the afterlife saying somebody wants to make a connection and then it waits for them to sort of say, yeah, I'd like to speak to that person or whatever. But, it, you know, it could be anything that comes back, basically. But it, but then it sort of says, oh, your, your supernatural encounter is at this particular location. Yeah. So it gives you a clue. You know, so like, as I said, the first one goes, oh, that's my grandma's house. You know, she died like yeah. six months ago. And so they go, they go over there, and then it turns out that Skylar's father was one of the prison guards. Well, they're all prisoners. the children, aren't yeah. they? They're all, it, it's, that's like another thing. It's like they quote the Bible at the start. It's like the sins yeah. of the fathers will be That's right, yeah. And, and, that, and that does sort of come through in the film. Um, but they, they set – so it kind of feels like three different things. So you've got the, the opening set up. Then you've got the – then we move forward 20 years later and it's, mm. oh, here's a bunch of young people mm. and they're going to go to a spooky spooky location and uh, there's going to be ghosts yeah. and stuff. So it's all sort of a bit more, oh, we're in that familiar kind of territory there. But then in the middle of it is this app plot device that comes in, which, as you say, the character mm. seems to be very clear. They never say he's autistic, but it seems very clear that he yeah. is. And I thought he did a really good job, actually. I thought, thought the way they portrayed his autism was actually quite good. You know, it, it's he's he's kind of 
a bit sort of introvert, but not totally introvert. He doesn't have too many, you know, he, he doesn't understand sort of social, social nuances, yeah, right. you know, so he'll, he'll barge in on his brother when he's having sex or something like that and not think about it, you know, um, it's that sort of thing. But he's, he's quite, you know, he's quite amiable sort of character. And I liked the character of Nate as well, the, the, the black kid, who's really, he, he was the big brother that Sam should have had instead of his real big brother, who was a complete shit. Yeah. Why was she marrying him? That's I mean, what I don't get, because he's such a he's jerk. He's such a jerk. You know, he's got serious hang-ups about his dad and everything like that. He treats her like shit, you know. Well, his dad was a monster, though, wasn't he? Basically, Apparently. yeah. But he, I mean, he is. I mean, we did we, we see him murder someone. Yeah, <laughs> at the beginning of the film. But, um, yeah, so... But, yeah, no, I, I, I quite liked it overall. As I said, the it does kind of rush through things late on. I liked Nate and his girlfriend. I like their sort of interaction as well. So, so I was quite kind of upset with, when what happens to them. Um, in fact, his girlfriend gets killed off screen. You know, you don't really actually know what happens to her. I think her body turns up later on. Um, they are very 90s slasher movies. It is, sort yeah. Of tropes, yeah. you know, sort and they of stereotypes. Of, yeah, and they get rid of the, the fiancé very early, and, you know, without... You'd have thought they'd have made him last a bit longer to sort of up the ante a bit. Yeah, we've also got um, the... We mentioned Kevin Pollock, mm -hmm. but we've also got Mina Suvari in she, there. She comes right. in early in the film as sort of an outsider who's in the asylum, sort of, well, not asylum, but the reform school mm -hmm. kind of thing. And she's working like a chef or cook or something. Yeah, but I she kind of feels like yeah, she yeah. wants to be a mothering figure and she gets kind of chewed out for that. Mm. And so her role is quite significant. We've also got John Abrams, who was, I think he was one of the leads in Scary Movie. Mm. And uh, haven't seen him around very much, so that was quite interesting. And, um, yeah, the so there's a so the cast is quite good. The film is shot well. Mm. And I say, if, if it was just a bit, a bit more... Um, oh, on Jay, John Abrams, when he when there's a death scene, he, he gets a Wilhelm scream, which I like. Um, but... You're easily pleased, Richard. We take what we get if we can, basically, out of these yeah. things. The, but it was basically a Ouija board movie, mm. but we're using an app instead of a Ouija board. The first thing I thought of was that, was it Long Term, Long Time Dead? Yeah. It was a spate of films that came Yeah, well, that was so, we, one yeah. we used with a Ouija There's board. There's one we covered ages ago as well, where it was basically a bunch of kids go to like an old school or a hospital. That was that Indian one, wasn't it? There was one, there was like an actual Bollywood. There was a Bollywood yeah. Movie. yeah horror story. I think was. there was another. Yeah. There was another one. I'm sure we covered, which was like I think we might have covered it with one of the the other directors. Was it um, one of the guests we had on a British or American one? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an American one. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a familiar. Sort it's, of it's a familiar thing, and like you say, yeah. we get a carry kind of and we thing get, at we the get, end. We get this thing as well where um, the ghost show, showed Skylar what had happened to her her dad way back when and, and this other kid and stuff, even though, you know, there was no video evidence of any of it, you know, there would have had to be like a supernatural sort of cameraman just following around, <laughs> you know, filming it all, storing it on a videotape and sort of like letting her find it later on. But it sort of like sends her, either she's possessed or it just sends her into like a revenge mode, and yeah. sort of, yeah, which is quite funny as well, actually. I would say as flawed, as flawed as some of it is, say there's some good casting, well shot, it's muddled, but very entertaining. Yeah, I had a good time with it, and, and I was I, I was very much looking it, yeah. forward to us having this mm. conversation about it. When you, you know, and I think that you know, alone mm. marks it out as an interesting movie to, yeah. to recommend. Absolutely. How are you going to score this one then? Uh, I'm just 
for the muddledness and some of the lack of originality, I'm only going to go for a six. Yeah, I'm going to join you on a six for this one. Uh, this hasn't had a physical release. This is available on um, sort of streaming services. So if you get like you know YouTube or Amazon Prime streaming, you, you can rent it or, or buy it through them. Our short shot this week is No Plan, No Gain. This is the latest short film from Godfrey Reichardt. I'm probably murdering his name, just like I did with Kevin Pollack's earlier. Um, no, I think you got that so, <laughs> in this one, we have two friends who are going to hijack a truck, um, but they haven't really sort of figured out how they're going to do it, and chaos ensues, as well as some very interesting and exciting-looking stunt work. This is a very short film. Um, two locations: the inside of a truck and the top of a car. Top of a basically, car. <laughs> basically, um, it looks like it looks like it was very dangerous to film. Um, yeah. got, you know, Godfrey has even said, "You know, we had to be very." Because I asked him, "How the hell did he do that?" And he said, "Very carefully." Basically, <laughs> was the message he came back with. Yeah, because there's so much you can do on a truck with with the car, mm. but. Clearly, there were scenes where it was just a car. It was yeah. just—it was literally <laughs> and they are fighting two on people the top fighting of a on car. top of a car. You know, throwing punches and all sorts. It was incredible. Um, and it's not just regular fighting; it's complex martial arts mm. choreography uh, of a very high standard. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole thing inside the truck as well. You know, the way it's moving around and everything. You know, sort of trying to find their footing. It's, it's just very, very well done. Um, and even, even the, you know. Even the end of it, I kind of expected the guy to be hanging on to the front grill of the car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting him to sort of pop back up, basically. But yeah, no, it was, um, it was very well done. Yeah, um, it, it's very short, very you know, very to the point. It's more of a sort of a skit or a sketch yeah. rather than an actual you know a film at the beginning and end. Um, you know, but it does have a setup, and and you know, mm-hmm. it does have a setup and a payoff. You know, it's it's a it's not like a proof concept thing. It's it's no. very much, a, or even just sort of, sort of a singular fight scene. Mm-hmm. We establish the characters. We spend time, a couple of moments with them, saying sort of, "What are we doing?" And he's wearing kind of a, the, yeah, the driver's way crash helmet. It's like, yeah, I don't know. We're just giving it. We're just doing mm-hmm. it. Let's just right. do it. And then they open up the doors and stuff, <laughs> and then they find someone who's gonna try and stop them, and then <laughs> and they fight, and then they come out of the. That's when it really kicks off in that mm. second part when it, when the action relocates on the car, to the bonnet yeah. and then the roof of the car and you get smashed windows and, and people so people just saw you know innocent bystanders watching <laughs> the director himself yeah playing mm. the bemused bystander which is mm. one of those great uh, cliches very good yeah so Godfrey Reichart is a guy we've discussed in the past when we looked at. Um, one of them was Chipolise. <laughs> Chipolise, and what was the other one called? Uh, Hang on, but boom, oh, blades. boom, 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 blades. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix that in post. Yeah, <laughs> boom and blades was the other one. Um, as I said before, he's very well versed in um, action film language. Oh. You know, uh, boom and blades especially sort of showed that how you know, basically sort of taking the piss out of various sort of zoom ins and sort of you know all the rest of it that goes on. Um, this is sort of a bit more sort of straightforward. You know, more of a sort of calling card, basically saying. This is what I can do. It's a showcase. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to things like The Raid Two, which had a brilliant sort of similar sort of, you know, fight scene inside a car. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure if Gareth Evans sort of watched this and go, on the car, on the car, we could have done it on the car. You know, <laughs> but he probably looked, thought about it at the time thought either either it's too dangerous or it's too far fetched. You know, so like, throw that idea out the window, and, and Godfrey's gone and done it. Um, 
Now, in in a future episode, we're going to be discussing a PM Entertainment film. And when I was watching that, I was thinking, Godfrey Reichardt, he, he was born 20 years too late, basically. He would have been a perfect fit for PM Entertainment. Yeah. You know, he, he would have really sort of reveled in the sort of stuff they, they would have allowed him to do. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a discussion for another time. Um, yeah, so, so we'll put a link on for this one. And, you know, I, we highly recommend you check out the rest of Godfrey's um, web page, his, um, his YouTube channel. He's got loads of these uh, films knocking around. Um, Chip Police, I really liked. Boom and Blaze is very good. Um, so, yeah, check him out. Our DTV throwback this week is Firestorm, starring Harry Long as Jesse Graves, a firefighter who um, jumps into fires by parachute to try and sort of deal with the heart of the blaze. Um <coughs> In, in this, on this particular occasion, he also has to deal with an escaped criminal called Earl Shea, played by William Forsyth, who, uh, along with a few other um, convicts, have managed to escape and are creating havoc on their way to safety. Uh, along the way, he has to protect a ornithologist called Jennifer, um, and also um, try and meet up with his, uh, his other people, including Scott Glenn, his, uh, his ex-CEO. So, uh, Rich, this one passed me by back in the day. Um, I think this sort of, I don't know, it, it just sort of missed my video shop or something at the time. It just, and how, you know, Harry Long was being built up to be um, sort of the next action hero. He was an ex-American um, football player. He had a good role as a henchman in Broken Arrow, um, playing sort of second, second fiddle to John Travolta in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this was sort of his, you know, his, his next film. Unfortunately, it didn't seem to sort of go anywhere. No, this was, was his a, perfect weapon, basically. It was, and, and unfortunately... You know, it's really unfortunate that happened because this is a very intelligent action movie. It you know, it, it goes against the grain a little bit because you know the, the main character is a firefighter. He doesn't carry a gun or anything like that. Doesn't do any martial arts or anything. You know, so there is a bit of fighting in there. It's got a great cast because not only on you know amongst the convicts, we've also got um, Barry Pepper, who we mentioned earlier. We did. Um, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, yeah. but yeah. Uh, and also we've got Vladimir Kulich in yes, there. Yes, absolutely. Um, who people will know from things like the 13th Warrior. and um, Recently we talked the, about his role in Crackerjack. And the deck and he was in deck, of course, so, yes. with, um, with, with Scott Atkins. So, yeah, it's you know, a real good sort of cast of bad guys. Like, um, Harry Long himself is a pretty decent... Um, he's got a good screen presence, probably better than Brian Bosworth, I'd say. He's more articulate, you know, um, and, and sort of better with the action. So, you know, I, I don't know what went wrong with this, really. I really don't. I think the uh, at this point in Hollywood, everyone was making movies with disasters. Mm. This was post-Independence Day and just all that like kind of daylight thing. and things like and that. Volcano yeah. and Dante's Peak yeah. and everything. So this was just another one of those for people. Mm. Plus, it was Howie Long, an unknown quantity, uh, and if they couldn't make him a star domestically, how could they market him internationally? So I think that's why we got it um, straight to video here in yeah. the UK. But I just remember it being really, really vividly picking up the big box, and I actually bought one X rental. It was a great cover, mm. and it was a, a orange box, so it just looked great. It was really appealing, and the, the film itself is very good. It's like uh, about eighty minutes long. Very economical storytelling. Looking, coming back to it um, after many years watching it again, 
the the differences the things i notice in it are how one of the key things with these kind of movies is surrounding them with a good cast mm. so howie long's newcomer he's never been a, a you know a leading man before so what do they do well they put the heavy hitters with him they put scott glenn there yeah and also some other sort of newcomers but all playing very good appealing characters there's there's the cast is big and you move between action with him with uh, a bunch of guys who are trapped on a bus uh, mm. to the to the bad guy and his his people in what is essentially uh, a knock a sort of a knockoff of cliffhanger and con air yeah uh, and william forsyth is brilliant at the villain he's, he's always been a great he's villain. really goodness and he actually his some sort of Mo in this film reminds me of the Joker at, is, the, at the exactly. beginning of at yes. the beginning of the Dark Knight, where he sets up all these various people, and as he's finished with them, he just kills them. Yeah, you know. Exactly so so he's, he escapes with like four people, but he's like, "Well, I don't need you anymore." Bang, you know. And then he starts turning around to the other guys, oh, going, no. "I don't know what happened." <laughs> there's, there's, there's a brilliant bit where he, he basically he literally pushes a guy off a cliff, you know, and and um, you know Barry Pepper's character turns around and goes, "What happened?" And he's going, "I don't know." He's like. He was like, he was, he's just right there in front of me. One minute, and then he's he's gone. You know, and he really sells it. It's it's, it's really well done. You know? Plus, the, and the reason they're not thinking about it too much is because they're thinking about the money. He's mm. promising them a cut, and they're like, every one person less is a bigger cut for me. Exactly. So he's playing on their greed. Uh, so we. It's exactly what Joker did in the dark. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the whole film is sort of taking all these different ideas, and it mix, mixes say the prison escape mixed with the wildfire mm. uh, in the, the woods which is mostly well done apart from the CGI in, in the, the final very act. end yeah, yeah. the very last fi- sort of firestorm bit as it comes across the lake yeah, that's the most CGI bit of yeah. it unfortunately but the script is good the character is mm. good the, 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 all the you know today's the day for jumping out of a perfectly good airplane thing that kind <laughs> of becomes the, the, the catchphrase that they use Howie Long's really appealing mm. he's, a, he's a very good um physical presence in the film and you know he's charming the bit with the oh there's one element as well at one point i'm thinking i was watching it i'm thinking i wonder if they actually considered at one point making this a 3d movie oh because he throws the axe there's there's a couple of little bits where things literally come straight at the camera like with the axe and there's a bit where there's a brilliant chase where harry and the ornithologist are on a motorbike being chased by the others and he throws his chainsaw in the air yeah so it comes through the the windscreen of the of the car it's really really well done but i'm thinking you know it, look, it almost looks as if they, th- they thought they were going to do it in 3d you know because it literally comes right at you and it's sort of really well done the ornithologist is played by Susie amos who, and, mm. and it's it's one of those things where they do the character development of well, she seems to be able to handle herself pretty well, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I moved around a few bases with my with my dad. Yeah, it's almost it's almost a, a sort of borderline sexist comment, you know, um, or attitude by um, sort of Harry Long's character because he, he's like, "What you know how to do this, but you're a woman," kind, kind of thing, you know. Well, it was sort of 1996, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, she sort of basically says. You know, yeah, well, you know, he goes, what, were you in the Marines or something? Said, well, I might as well have been, because my dad was, you know, and he just taught me everything, basically. So I was, I was the son he never had kind of thing. Um, and there's a really funny bit where he's, he, he challenges her to sort of make a fire, go on, see, see if he can make a fire quicker than I can, sort of thing. And he's there sort of chipping away with two pieces of flint. And then you sort of hear a crackling, and he looks around, and she's already got a fire going. And he's going, oh, bloody hell, that's really good. And then she sort of shows, she's got a bloody lighter. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was quite funny. Well, there's another. They, they sort of 
I don't know if it's before or after they they do a, mm. a an opposite thing of him sort of going, oh, that's a an onionis coodleonis oh, yeah, or something. Some, yeah, you know, something Latin. And he's yeah. like, she's like, wow, how do you know that? And he's like, well, I I know a few things. And then yeah. he goes, look at the box. Yeah, that's what I was but he's yeah, he's really charming. They've got a good chemistry, mm. I think. Um, the, say the villain's really good. Vladimir he does a good fight with Vladimir Kulich yep. at the training post, and that sort of ends with uh, him being able to do a big motor, motorcycle jump. That was a, that was a really good. Yeah. Start. And then they do. Uh, mm. He has to rescue uh, Susie Amos's character, and they do the bike switch mm. thing yeah. where she has to sort of step over, step around him, and so so that he can she can ride it while he. The action scenes are all really well done. The, the, the fire, the, the smoke jumping scenes where, the, mm. where they're doing the skydiving and they're dropping the, the water. Because the, the film mm. opens with um, another disaster. The disaster so, so, yeah. kind of sets up, it kind of sets in motion what's going to happen because uh, one of the ca- uh, characters is uh, injured. Mm. And the opening scene, which then leads to uh, Jesse, Howie Long's character, becoming the the leader of the unit uh, of the of the firefighters. As I say it's very sort of very sort of cliffhanger. But imagine cliffhanger, but without that feeling of remorse and mm. and that because of because uh, in that film he drops yeah. the girl, doesn't he? And uh, that sort of plagues him, so he's all sad. And um, <laughs> but Howie Long's got no, Howie Long's. You know, he feels a bit of regret. Yeah, but. For the most part, life's just life, dandy, really. Life's, life's great, and yeah. it sort of carries it along. Quite the well. new recruits and everything that's great. Cool. Yeah, and <laughs> now that works well. A bit, bit of trivia for you: mm-hmm. um, What links Firestorm with Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards and Atomic Blonde? It's gasoline. It is indeed by yeah. David Bowie. Yeah. So, so the song. Um, what's it? What's no, it? sorry, it's not called gasoline. No. Actually, it's the. Did you know it's the. Title track from the film Cat People. Cat People. That was yeah. yeah so Cat People that was, was where it was originally from. Gasoline. Yeah. So, so I mean, so it's called know, Cat People. Funny yeah. enough, you know, it's, Inglorious Bastards made that song its own, uh, as far as I was concerned. You know, back whenever, whenever that was, because like, because the scene that is used in is absolutely brilliant, and then it was used again in Atomic Blonde. I mean, as much as I love Atomic Blonde, I find its music choices very, very obvious. You know, two on the nose, basically. It's like, but we're set in the 80s, so we're going to use these songs. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, but the 80s had loads of brilliant songs and using the obvious ones. Well, this know. was quite an obvious use of that song. I suppose, yeah, it was, because it's gasoline. But but um, if, 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 it, if it's well, so I was just really surprised to hear it in this, you know, because I thought it was one that sort of Quentin Tarantino dug out of his obscure record collection, you know. But um, no, it turns out here it is in a, in a sort of Howie Long yeah. movie. Yeah, somebody had, moved, somebody had used it back mm. then and used it well. Yes, it's a good sequence. It is a good sequence, and it's a nice transition from one part of the story to the next. Yeah. So there's not an ounce of fat on this, I don't think. Um, the director was uh, Dean Semler, and mm. I think it was his first film as director. He's a noted cinematographer. I think some of the films we've even talked about recently, he was responsible for uh, the look of. But he also did uh, The Patriot with Steven Seagal, which oh, right. was another director video. Oh, well, straight to video, I should say. Um, at is that, that time. the one where he's a, a sort of rancher? Oh, it's a rancher one, not yeah. the one who's the sort of biochemist or something. Yeah, well, he was yeah. a rancher who was a biochemist. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stop a start a viral actually, outbreak. That's, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, he'd stop, you know, if we if we only had Steven Seagal stop the coronavirus. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you all, all need needle for some flowers. Yeah. 
Clouds to sort of punch sort of that stomach. virus in the throat. Do you remember the, in the Patriot? I've not seen that. Oh, you've got to see the Patriot. Oh, we'll have to do that now on a, on a future <laughs> episode. We've not done it before. No, we've done, done some cigars. Oh, we're going to have to do that because that is the cigar movie that doesn't really have any action in it, so that people didn't want to see it because they were like, "Well, <laughs> I want to see." You know, like on Deadly Ground has mm. ridiculous amounts of action. Yeah, that's the yeah. Alaska one, isn't it? With the yeah. So the Patriot's like a companion piece to that, but what if it was the opposite and there wasn't any action in it? Except for like one, one or two moments. Like there's about two minutes of action. So, so, so Stephen Seagal in Lorenzo's oil, basically, is it? Kind of, kind of. But I really like that film, and one of the key points about it is how it looks. And mm-hmm. again, with this, you know, Dean mm-hmm. Semler being a cinematographer has a fantastic yeah. eye. So the film just looks amazing, mm-hmm. and its rural locations all looks yeah. great. It's one of my favourites all time. Seagal trying to prove that there's more to him than just punching people in the throat. That's what he oh, was yeah. trying to do with that film. Yes. Did he succeed? Uh, in it depends on your view. I mean, I really love it, but uh, <laughs> we will hopefully discuss it at length in a, in a future episode. At the moment, we are talking about Firestorm, <laughs> which is a fantastic film that you should see. It is now, unfortunately, um, neither Prime nor Netflix have this at the moment. So your best chances of finding it are either renting it, which costs you about three pound fifty, or if you're really, really lucky, like a certain lucky bastard set at this table, Mr. Richard Halls, uh, you can find a copy down at CEX for 50p. No, £2, pounds, actually. Two, oh, okay. It was £2. £2 pounds this one was premium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly worth £2, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I thoroughly love this. I hadn't seen it before. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great little action movie. Definitely worth checking out. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.